sponsorship studios this is buddy walk with jesus where real life and the kingdom of god connect now your hosts joe and Edgar. father god i just thank you for all that you do father and how you hide things throughout the day so that we can find them so we could seek them out father you delight in a people that pursues you, that desires to draw knowledge and wisdom from you. You don't hold back. As a matter of fact, we've learned that the spirit of truth who indwells us comes to tell us what is to come. And that's in your word, Father. And we thank you that you would gift us with you, with more understanding of you and with the ability not only to further get in deeply with you and to learn about you and if i can even use the word understand you allow us to share that father that we would be true to you and share with the heart of christ everything that is important to you 
Father, and we know that would take us eternity, but we can begin that right now. We thank you for who you are, Father, and we, we humbly submit to you. We thank you for your wonderfulness, for your delight, for your treasure, for everything that is you. In Jesus' name, amen. What's up, community? Welcome back to Buddy Walk with Jesus. Before we get started, as always, I want you guys to know two things, that you are prayed for and that you are loved deeply. A couple of quick reminders as usual here at the top. We're always looking for more involvement from the Buddy Walk community. We want to hear from you guys. It's been our goal from the start of this to be able to create a digital space for believers from all over the world to be able to come together, fellowship, discuss, pray, all of those things. So as always, down in the episode description of the podcast or over at our website, buddywalkwithjesus.com is the link for our Discord server. It only takes a few minutes to get set up and then you're good to go. We also have an email address for prayer requests. Our prayer team is there as always. That's prayer at buddywalkwithjesus.com. So last week we started the discussion on one version of a growing set of falsehoods that are polluting the church in the form of the emerging church and progressive Christianity. I've said before, and I'll say again, this particular group is more dangerous than atheism. Atheism requires a hard stance, and that particular hard stance is a conversation for another time But when you declare that you are an atheist, you are required some pretty specific hard-lying beliefs. However, with this particular flavor of false teaching, it's a death by a thousand cuts sort of situation. They like to stand just offset from the truth. Like we talked about, they publicly speak in sound bites that without the full context of the larger whole of their belief system can look like truth. The issue is, though, once these statements are put into their full biblical context, they suddenly don't work anymore. We've said before that if it conflicts anywhere in the scriptures, then it's got to go. Context is key. It's vital. That's part of why I have an issue with these read a Bible in a year programs that have a tendency to devolve into an obligatory checklist item or these daily verse apps that yes, can send a verse to whatever device you have set up. However, this becomes a substitution a lot of times for actually reading the Bible, in which case you aren't getting the full context of biblical truth. This is a belief that can look very tempting, unfortunately, to specific groups of people, especially people who have experienced church hurt, and that's an unfortunate number of Christians. These are usually the same people that have experienced the depths of depravity that can exist in people, even people within the church. And unfortunately, groups like this 
depend on their message coming across as sweet music to the ears of people that have seen these things as they're talking about things like moral comfortability disguised as manipulated social justice. A God who says that you can have whatever you like, regardless of situation, circumstance, or any of the context that goes along with that. The promotion of self to the divine status. The Bible labeled as outdated or archaic and ironically self-serving, plus or minus some choice verses that go along with what they're trying to sell. And a Jesus that is all love, nothing else, totally ignoring wrath, judgment, and subsequently real justice. Many of these teachings center around moral comfort, and that's a dangerous trap. It is easy to become addicted to being morally comfortable, doing the right thing, being a good person. It's easy. It doesn't require hard change and allows you to have whatever auxiliary beliefs that you want for the most part. And the truth is, is that with media being what it is today, there's never been a more open playground for these concepts, for these thoughts to take root and gain attention. I understand that ours is far from the first generation that has experienced this, but the space for people to be able to operate with falsehood is only growing. So we're taking this as an opportunity to camp here for a bit and discuss what the Bible says about kingdom life and our calling and position as Christians, what the Bible says about false teachings, address some of the bullet points from this mission statement of sorts that was put forward by a prominent group within the larger progressive Christianity movement, as well as discuss some misconceptions and falsehoods that are being adapted by churches all across the country and world at a rapid pace. Things like the prosperity gospel, name it and claim it, churches standing on manipulated scripture regarding things like homosexuality, things like abortion, just to name a few. So it's important to recognize what is truth in the importance of Bible literacy and intimacy, not intellectual knowledge, but diving into the truth of the real God, not the homebrewed versions that we're going to be discussing. The Bible is full, complete and true. That's exactly why groups like this immediately try to call its authenticity and authority into question. Because once the benchmark is gone, you are free to manipulate as you please. We may sound heavy-handed about some of this stuff, but as we have discussed, the Bible says that there are only two kingdoms. And we know for fact that the enemy has been using lies and manipulation on man to destroy in different forms since the start. And it's important to bring to light the current version of this, as well as the incredible importance of a firm foundation in the truth and character of God. So as we get going here, I do want to mention that as we dissect some of this stuff, some adult themes and hard topics may come up. We understand that it's not always popular to make a stand, but as Christians, it is our responsibility to stand for the kingdom, 
regardless of how it puts us in direct conflict with the world's way of thinking and value system. So yes, as always, we are a family show, but viewer discretion may be advised. We had a conversation and it's going to be a throwback. Uh, I asked you a question and people may not be familiar with the Church of Satan, hopefully. Um, but Anton LaVey is a person who um, has the Church of Satan. He he created it or whatever word goes with that. And it has a following. It's considered a religion. But my question is, Joe, is the Church of Satan a counterfeit church? Do you remember what your response was? It's hard to remember where I was at when you first asked this question since considering all of this. But if I remember correctly, my original response was yes, it is a counterfeit church, which since considering all of this has changed. But I think the impulse with this question is it's not Christianity. So yes, of course, it's a counterfeit church, especially since you're asking about the sat satanic church. But a question like this plays right into the natural misconception of they're talking about God. So that makes it okay sort of approach, even if that sort of thinking happens on the subconscious level. Yes. And to which I answered, no, it's not. And so Joe gave me a record skip look. And it's true. Everybody would have that. I would have that thought. But I, and I think because... I was looking into progressive Christianity. This question became very clear, the answer of why the Church of Satan is not a counterfeit church. It's a it's a counter church. It's an anti-church. And then by anti, the Greek means instead of or against. So instead of Jesus, we have Satan. So it's a counter church. And the reason I say it's not a counterfeit is when you get a counterfeit bill, it's to try to trick you by looking very similar to the real thing. So in other words, it's the details that betray the counterfeit. If you look at the details, then you begin to pick out why it's not like the real thing. And that's very similar to my experience with researching progressive Christianity. And mind you, it's a lot bigger than the research that I've done. But it gave me so much to go on. Um, and it was such a weighty topic. Um, going back to the counterfeit, we know that there's the stripe that's in there. The denominations have the numerical value throughout the tiny print. And all these little things that clue in somebody, even the feel of the paper can be part of it. So when we look at details, they speak volumes. And when we look at progressive Christianity, even though we look at the whole that it's saying, the parts are just as important in what it's trying to bring out. And I, I spoke in the previous episode that one of the things that bothered me about this is that it lowers or diminishes Jesus to the role of a teacher. Not to Savior, not to the Prince of Peace, not to God the Divine, but to teacher. And every human being, for the most part, has a teacher in their life. 
at one point they think and may think often that they are better than the teacher or they will excel past the teacher. There is no indication from what I've read or research that Jesus is supreme. He's a guidance. He's, you know, take what he teaches, build upon it, make it better. And they put it with what I consider a lot of emotional sweetness to make it palatable. If you're a good person, you would like to be liked. You would like to be considered good. You would not like to have to think about someone thinking negatively of you. I, I think I want to, and I'm going to use a, a really harsh word. I think I want to disabuse that statement right away. Jesus, that whom they call teacher, didn't speak only daisies and sunshine. He spoke also that he came to bring a sword. Mm -hmm. That he wished that a millstone would be tied around the person who would cause one of these little ones to stumble and that they would be thrown to the deepest ocean. You know, these are not words. He cursed the fig tree. These are not words of someone who is always bending to another person's will. This is not the God of enablement. This is the God of righteousness. And because he is righteous, he wanted to see men and women and children freed, but true freedom, not trading oneself for another. Just because it appears to have light doesn't mean it does. And the Bible refers to a dark light. We talked about that previously in one of the episodes. So we know that the angel of light can portray himself in a certain manner. So if there is a God of progressive Christianity, I may say, look no further than the angel of light. This is not Jesus. This Christianity revolves around, if I can put it this way, Jesus and something else. Not God alone, but it needs to be something else. So it's, it's not, it's a false religion. A major theme within this belief system is this ability that you have to manifest what it is that you want and this connection that each person supposedly has with this universe, with this greater whole. The implication is that you yourself are part of the divine as we're all part of this unity and oneness. Kind of an all pathways lead to God sort of thing, which is a hallmark for many different manipulations of Christianity. So you see Jesus reduced to a kind of teacher that came to show an example of love so that way the self can be promoted to the divine. Again, in order for the nonsense that they preach to be able to hold any weight at all, they have to devalue the aspects currently present. That is how they make room for moral comfort and self-rule presented in a way that says everything's love and unity and wrath and judgment don't exist. The most dangerous lie is the one that closest mimics the truth with some slight alterations. Tiny compromises made 
over a stretch of time. And before you know it, you have something that looks absolutely nothing like the source material. We've all been in the grocery store and have seen the knockoffs, the ones that taste like chemical versions of different products. That's where this is at. The only association that it has with the original is the name, but it's that very light association with Christianity coupled with the promotion of self-rule that makes it so dangerous. Like I said before, at least with atheism, the person plants their flag in the ground. With this, it's a weird mix of anything goes and a manipulated sense of justice and right and wrong. All masquerading as a god that says, do what you want and you're still good sort of thing. And it's tempting for a lot of people. It's like having your cake and eating it too. So the difference between the Church of Satan and progressive Christianity is the Church of Satan stands for something. Now, like Edgar said, there's a difference between an anti-church and a fake church. We absolutely don't endorse, condone, or believe anything about Satanism. All the same as we don't support, endorse, condone, or believe what progressive Christianity has to say. But the difference is progressive Christianity is spreading their lies while proclaiming that there's something that they aren't. They call themselves Christians, but lie about God, Jesus, and the Bible. They take truth out of context to be prostituted to convert unknowing people into what amounts to a cult. What we're talking about here is the very reason why it's so important to have a complete perspective on what it is that you believe. Wrestle with it. Really unpack it. I had to do it. I'm sure Edgar's had to do it. It's tough. It is. But it's necessary to go on that journey with God in the Bible, in prayer. So you are exposed to full and complete truth, not led by any pastor, preacher, or author. And if that person tries to dissuade you or convince you that their point of view is in any way more important than God's, or that the Bible is anything less than complete and accurate, then you need to reevaluate your relationship with them and take whatever they've taught you to the Lord for complete analysis. You guys are going to hear us keep going back to God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, and the Bible as we deconstruct these statements of faith and misconceptions because this kind of thinking wants you to be as far away from all that as they can get you because the further you are from that, the easier it is for them to mold you into their image and fill your head with all manner of falsehoods. I want to give an example, and this is coming from progressivechristianity.org, and it does lend to what you were speaking. This trading of truth for, I can't think of a word that fits because it's all about affirming. And, you know, it's, you know how God sometimes gives you a little sign that you're on the right path? Yeah. This Sunday, I, not Sunday, this Saturday, I was uh, going to a coffee shop and there was a guy and he had a Jesus look to him, meaning beard, long hair. And, he, you know, he could pass for some an actor 
playing the role of Jesus. Not my my idea of what Jesus would look like, but a lot of people's. And he was talking about how Jesus affirms my identity. Um, but you're in your creation. Why would he affirm your identity? So there, there is that thought. And I thought to myself afterwards, you know, this is probably progressive Christianity being evangelized right now. And not to stray from the point that I was trying to make, progressive Christianity says this in their eight points of progressive Christianity page, which they say is the 2012 version. I don't know if there's one more reason, but bullet point number five says, and this is a, an interesting statement, find grace in the search for understanding and believe there is more value in questioning than in absolutes. So let me give you an example of an absolute. God is love. So now questioning and believing has more weight than God is love. There is something prob problematic about just taking in what someone says, even if they sound like they have the authority there. You know, the page is done relatively nicely. It's not my thing, but, you know, and they give these things that sound good and they have a sign of authority with them. It's not God's authority, but it's authority. Um, and the language is very structured, very precise, very instructive. And if you do not consider that just because someone says it does not mean you have to believe it, then you could get swept away in here. But the interesting thing is, if you are searching for understanding and believing, and, and you're putting your values in questioning, then they themselves should welcome being questioned. Yes. So the absolutes that the Bible have, in my opinion, are non-negotiables. Now, there are many people who think, well, the Bible's harsh. Um, they, you know, God wanted people dead, you know, in the Old Testament. If you study, you may find out an answer to that that you may not feel comfortable with. But if you seek out, and God does say seek out, you know, that's an important thing. And, and answers that we strive and struggle for become our answers, meaning that it wasn't inherited, it wasn't given, and we're more likely to retain it. Yeah, so there, there is, and Paul welcomed the Bereans questioning and searching the scriptures to find out if what he said was true. And I'll tell you, I've had instances where people don't like you, and these are people who are, you know, leaders in the church, don't like you questioning them because they take it personal. It's not personal. You're trying to understand how something could be. And, and I'll give you an example. And this guy was not bad about this. I asked him, you know, how could King Hezekiah be doomed to die? And this is the gentleman, if you remember the story, the shadow went backwards at his choice because it could have gone forward or back down the steps. So I said, how could he, how is it that he was going to die then? if he was going to give birth to Manasseh afterwards. Manasseh happened to be his son, who was very evil king. 
but through Manasseh came the bloodline of Jesus. So how does that work? And you know, you ask this person the uh, you ask the wrong person a question, they tend to think you are um, a troublemaker. And so I raised my hand at that point. <laughs> but it does bring questioning why something is going to happen or how it can happen. It's good because we see Mary did that. Um, Zachariah had disbelief. Surely my wife and I, you know, we have all the plumbing and everything worked. Or cannot have, well, I shouldn't say they were past age, but we know that Abraham and Sarah had. But Mary was not married. She was a virgin. And so her understanding is, and this is not something that can happen according to what the Bible says. No premarital sex, no adultery. I mean, this is a weighty thing. I don't understand. How, how is this possible? And she got her answer. Gabriel told her that the Holy Spirit would come upon her and she would bear a child. You know, that was not the same situation that Zechariah had. And if you read and you read with seeking the answer, these things are revealed to you by the Holy Spirit. They state, believe that following the path and teachings of Jesus can lead to an awareness and an experience of the sacred and the oneness and unity of all life. Uh, this was really hard one to sit through for me. Um, what is this oneness and unity of all life? Are they including God in this? Because God doesn't join with sin. God, God doesn't partake in sin. Or if you're sinful, you can't be in his presence. How is that sacred? If you are being told that the emotional argument is you're good, you don't need to change, um, you just have to come under Jesus's teachings. If that is the teaching that they're promoting, how does that reflect on a holy God? It's almost in a way saying you are never gonna be with God but that's okay you know you can follow his teachings and his paths and you know he'll feel bad and he'll take you in when the time comes and if you've died and you'll just be accepted but that's not what the Bible teaches and God is very clear you know that sin has no place in his presence and I heard one person put it now I'm gonna probably just put it in my own way is that if a if if a person died in sin and were able to get to, and I'm going to say heaven or the path to heaven or in front of heaven before he can enter and the gates, if you will, were to open up, the overwhelming feeling of dirtiness would drive him to run and hide in hell because God is that pure. And you cannot get there of your own volition and your own will. It's important to point out that many of the conflicts that we see stem from the fact that this mode of thinking essentially ignores wrath, real justice, and the original sin. Many progressives and New Age followers believe that we as humans aren't preset to sin. 
but we basically have forgotten who we are and the divine power we have. So you'll hear statements that downplay sin and the corruption of man, and you'll only hear about how God is love and we are all by default part of this greater oneness that we draw from to manifest essentially what we want. We understand that these topics of sin and wrath and justice and judgment, they're not fun to talk about or think about a lot of the time, but they're essential, especially in truly understanding the relationship that we have with God, our place in the whole thing, God's place in the whole thing, as well as what salvation actually is and the incredible importance of grace. We see in all of this that if you take these fundamental pillars out of the belief system, the whole thing changes. It becomes manipulated into something way different. Yes. I, the final point I want to bring up is number two. It says, affirm that the teachings of Jesus provides but one of many ways to experience the sacredness and oneness of life that we can draw from diverse sources of wisdom in our spiritual journey. I just want to preface that the teachings of Jesus for this statement, I'm going to say include the entire Bible because it speaks of Jesus throughout its entirety, including Genesis all the way to Revelations. Yes. So it's asking the person reading this to affirm that teaching, that teaching of Jesus is not only one way, but there are others that are equal weight to what he has done. And, and let me just give you the Reader's Digest. He came and emptied himself. He is the triune God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And he emptied himself and he lived as a man, fully man, fully God. And he gave himself to learning. Not, let me take that word learning out of there. He gave himself to growing up in the ways that we do as mortals. And he wound up sacrificing his perfect life and mind you he's been growing up as a teenager which is a difficult stage for humanity to get through without to well i'm going to use the word survive he did it without sinning and he became a man and he went and he loved his father his heavenly father and pursued him and he led a perfect life and he allowed himself to be executed so that his blood would cleanse all men and women and children from their sins. And he rose from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. So this is not on equal weight with everything else, the many diverse ways. When God himself sacrifices everything for the sake of humanity it is far beyond what any other way whether it's religious or not can put out there i i don't care what other 
method, for lack of a word, because I'm trying to say not only religious, but some of these other things that are out there that don't call themselves religion, they do not come close to what God has done. They do not compare. And to say that they offer an equal weight to God, to wisdom, which is God's, we know that in Proverbs 8, they do not compare. I want to say anything that's putting itself out there on the same level of God should always raise a red flag. If it cannot be pushed to the side, it must be investigated through the Holy Spirit. People can get snookered. The Holy Spirit is never snookered. So, and for those who don't understand the word snookered, it means fooled. Um, this is very important because we're talking not only about your your eternity, but those around you, because you're going to influence them one way or the other. These people are influencing people to lose an eternity with God. That's not my opinion. That's based on what scripture says. If I read this and I say, you know what? They made a valid point. You know what? I'm going to switch. What is that? It's not going to happen, first of all, because I'm so convinced of God that it would be like taking my skin off. Uh, it's not going to happen. Um, but I could see where somebody who's who's broken would like this kind of talk. And this is the problem. Is that the church has done a poor message of showing with equal weight, truth and love. That people are only looking for one aspect. Um, Think of it this way, alcohol burns, but it will clean out the wound and it will keep the infection from coming and you will be able to enjoy your life because you don't have that infection that spread through your body. What I want to do is to sound the warning bell uh, on this particular movement and you know, on others, it's not just this one, but anything that stands against um, the kingdom of God against what God says. Um, here is something that is very hard because I know the allure that it can have. Yeah. Um, and the people that would be drawn to it are so broken. Yes. And the Lord's heart is there for them. There's an unfortunate amount of truth to your statement, Edgar, that many that subscribe to this mode of thought got there by way of experiencing a different manipulated or damaged view of God, either in the church or at home without ever actually hearing or knowing about the real God. Remember, it's not just this group that seeks to keep you separated from the truth. We see on a regular basis religious practices exalted over God. We see on a regular basis pastors, preachers that insert their own point of view, tradition, their own book as more significant a point of view than the Bible. And it should come as no surprise that the common thread here is the lack of biblical interaction. 
There are so many stories from people who have been abused within the church and found new age and new thought in a time of feeling completely lost and unloved. That's part of what makes my blood boil about all of this. These are lies that take advantage of the unknowing, the hurt, and the lost by making them believe that they finally found their home in a safe place. They manipulate these people into this distorted version of what they call love without ever actually knowing love themselves, setting them up for another future fall when they realize this is just another false religion. So this group of people that have already been hurt by man, religion, and the church hear this way of thinking that immediately starts the conversation with, well, all that wrath stuff, hell, none of that's real. And all of those people throwing rules at you, they were wrong. Well, yeah, that's probably going to sound pretty sweet to a lot of people. And it's so heartbreaking to watch people just trying to feel loved, connected, safe, be taken advantage of, or to watch a well-meaning Christian be fed lies about how they can manifest whatever they want and God wants them to have endless zeros at the end of their bank account, leading them to chase materialism. And it's easy to point out the ones with the biggest platforms. To focus on them is easy but this is a bigger issue than that that's why it's so dangerous because in this world's current moral climate and the ridiculous ability to reach the masses we are seeing churches all over adapt tiny but steady compromises thinking that they are speaking truth but actually leading people astray by replacing the kingdom's value system on what is right, just, and true with the world. And the danger in making these types of compromises between self and the divine, between moral comfort and kingdom living, is it's a dangerous slope to go down. We are preset to self-rule, so being comfortable sounds pretty good to the human brain. These compromises are like Pringles. It's never just one. This is an issue that is becoming more and more prevalent. And so as we unpack some of what this looks like over the next couple of weeks, it honestly wouldn't shock me if somebody listening finds something on this list that their church has adapted or has started practicing. And if it and if I'm right, if that's the case, we urge you to take that to God because God will never stand for lies. And even though it might be hard, if that's the case then it's time to seek out a new place of worship. So friends, as you hear these different falsehoods that we are going to unpack, we implore you guys to immediately take it to God. Don't just take these statements of faith at face value. Like we've said, many of these statements will sound 
tempting. But it's the wolf that's in the hen house. Like we mentioned previously, they like to speak in half-truths. That's what's most tempting. So as you wrestle with all of this, make sure that you're putting it into the light of the right context of God in the complete Bible. It's vital because that's how you will reach actual truth. You're going to hear a lot of things like love, justice, peace, and unity. All topics that at face value seem like they are at the heart of the Christian life and in the right context, they absolutely are. However, context is key. You can spray paint a snowball and call it a piece of coal if you want. It doesn't make it coal. Just like taking truth out of context and presenting it in a flashy way to get to a manipulated version doesn't make it true. Wisdom requires going past the surface. Wisdom requires dissection, deconstruction, questions, and analysis. These should be the very things that you are using to assess the credibility of a belief system especially one that you're going to claim. In a side note, that's exactly what I did with God as an atheist. And now I'm a Christian, like Edgar, completely convinced. Because the Bible is the only one, the only holy book that you can dissect, you can poke, you can prod, you can test, and it will always hold up. The various different points of proof that we have to establish the validity of all of this is a conversation for another time that we are absolutely going to have. But boiled down, it comes down to the Bible is right, complete, and true. If you go through this process with God in the Bible, you will come to learn who God actually is, what his character actually is, the significance of the Bible, and the incredible gift of salvation that words cannot describe. And you will come to understand just how beautiful the relationship that God calls us into the actual biblical relationship that God calls us into really is. Because that's where the relationship begins. In truth, God wants you. God wants to have that relationship with you. But he will also give you the freedom to choose if you want him. And one of the most beautiful aspects of all of this is we can know exactly who God is. We can know exactly what we're getting ourselves into being a Christian. It's all laid out in the Bible. Who God is, his character, what he's done for each of us, how he has always been and always will B. I must admit, part of this is personal for me. 
I've seen church abuse. I've experienced some of these deceptions firsthand, and we'll get into some of that as we unpack these concepts. But I know firsthand how tempting something like this can be. And so from that point of view of somebody who understands, the unfortunate truth is that these aren't topics that the church does very well with, with talking about addressing or admitting to. So I understand firsthand how tempting all of this is. I understand firsthand how sweet an aroma all of this can smell like. So as we close out this week, we want to leave a couple of last points. First off, we want to urge any of you who may be feeling convicted about any of this, about any of what we've mentioned so far or anything that we will be mentioning. Take that opportunity to talk to God about it because he may be trying to tell you or show you something. That conversation might not be the easiest, but I promise you, my friends, it's completely worth it. And it may be the most important conversation you'll ever have. I still remember the very simplistic conversation that I had with a brother in Christ where he raised some pretty simplistic but incredibly valid points that completely tear the prosperity gospel to shreds. And that was hard for me because I was a new Christian and I had no idea what any of this life was about. It just seemed like it was about more than just slogging through this life to get to the next and that's that is very true and the result of that journey that started there and is still continuing is an increased understanding of the necessity of intimacy with god that's the key the ticket isn't getting whatever you want having endless amount of zeros on your paycheck the key is having intimacy with God. And if he blesses you to be able to give out to others, just stay true to him. Stay firmly at his right hand. But ultimately, we want you guys to hear that true living, real living in this world is in the kingdom. Nothing else. And lastly, if there's anyone listening tonight who has either experienced the kind of hell that this world can offer or the depths that its inhabitants can go to or has been deceived into new age practices or thoughts. First off, I am so sorry. I empathize and my heart breaks for you. And I pray blessing, love, peace, in wisdom over each one of you in Jesus name and I want you guys to understand a couple of things you are loved you are worth it 
and God wants you. God wants all of you. And understand that it can be easy to paint a different picture in our minds, but he's there with open arms, ready to engage, forgive, and restore. The beautiful news is that salvation and grace are not contingent on its recipient being perfect. So take an active stand for, and don't be afraid to get immersed in the truth and love of God. God says anyone who wants wisdom, anyone who wants understanding, anyone who wants knowledge, come. God is love. It's the only way that we can love is because we have been loved. And so anything short of God that is claiming to be love, then must go. Do not fear or discount intimacy with God. Embrace the truth of God's holy word. He gave us the Bible for a reason, so that we may have access to truth, wisdom, and understanding. May the love of the Lord bless you, and may his wisdom and his truth guide your path. Father God, I thank you that you've given us your word to show us, Father. And you say it many times, for him who has ears, let him hear. Father, that faith comes from hearing the word of God. We thank you for the opportunity to listen to Holy Spirit speak words of life. Father, words of life into our beings, our spirit. Father, I pray right now for every listener, I break the bondage of progressive Christianity over any of them who started to pursue what's been said. Father, they would love and adore scripture that is you. You, Father, you are the words that are on that page and you are far more that the Holy Spirit will reveal to us. But you do not go against what you have spoken. You have this unique way of being true. True to who you are. True to what you say. You are just truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he meant it. We can rely on on you. We can rely on what you say. We can rely on your goodness and graciousness and love and justice and father and that sweet correction that you give us when we we start to stray so that we would perk up and realize wait a minute i'm doing something really bad here father we would not minimize sin that we would not assume that identity but that we would hold on to you with a way that shows you how much we adore you Father, that we could convey with you how important you are, that we would not forget that you breathe your life into us. 
that when it flowed through Adam, it flowed through all the eons to us, Father, and beyond. We thank you for every human life. Father, we pray for their salvation. Father, that they would see you and pursue you, Father. Father, for every broken reed, you will not despise. I thank you for each and every one. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in to Buddy Walk with Jesus. For more information, check us out at buddywalkwithjesus.com. Look for us on Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and a review. You can also find us on Discord at the Buddy Walk community for prayer and fellowship. And lastly, if you check out the episode description, we have a listener support link and we would love your support for this ministry. As always, know that you are prayed for and know that you are loved.